Well, hey, good morning. Ah, man, I hope you had a good week. It's Friday, May 7th, 2021. Guess what? Episode number 250. Welcome to my 250th episode. One I'd like to call Vindication. And I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, PVTV, Political Views TV Podcast. That's what you Google to find me. Tell your friends to uh, Google Political Views TV Podcast. I'll show up right at the top of the list. Thank you so much for coming, man. I appreciate you. Uh, I'm sure none of you have been around for uh, the entire 250 uh, episodes. Um, But... Uh, I still appreciate you anyway, and we're going to talk about one, uh, two of those uh, 250 episodes in just a second. Uh, but anyway, yeah, bring someone with you tomorrow if you can, or today. Uh, when you're out and about today, just say, hey, you know what? Check out this guy's podcast. Uh, he's, you know, you know, he goes on rant sometimes, and I got a rant coming up. I really do. Uh, so why am I calling this show Vindication? Why do you think I'm calling it Vindication? If you've been with me for a while, you'll know and remember I did a story way back in October on the 21st and 22nd on the actual death toll from COVID. I have referred to the story uh, several times throughout my podcast. I I think the last time was in January when I said the death toll was closer to 750,000. You know, I've told people, and maybe more than 750,000. But I've told people about this and nobody believes me. Uh, In a study at the University of Washington, they have come up with a number twice what the CDC has been saying. If you remember my story, I said the CDC authored a report way back in October. Uh, PhDs uh, Lauren uh, Rawson, uh, Amy Bronham, Paul Sutton, Robert Anderson, and Farida B. Ahmed Uh, Masters of Public Health, they compared overall yearly deaths from 2015 to 2019 with 2020. The idea is the lack of COVID testing and lack of specialized equipment to assign deaths to COVID may have vastly undercounted COVID deaths, uh, according to the report. Estimates of uh, the numbers of deaths directly attributable to COVID-19 might be limited by factors such as the availability and use of diagnostic testing, including post-mortem testing and the accurate and complete reporting of cause of death information on a death certificate. They found an excess of 299,000 deaths. They actually, uh, yeah, an excess of 299,000 deaths, but they only attributed 100,000 of them to COVID. But I needed some clarification. So I emailed the CDC with some questions and and, uh, came back on Thursday the 22nd with those answers. I reported. Okay, this is exactly my report. Now, you remember that $25,000 to $40,000 death reduction in flu uh, 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 due to mask wearing and social distancing also found on their website. It's actually closer to $60,000. Now, back then, there was a report that because of mask wearing in Australia, when they had just gone through their winter, they had a reduction in flu deaths. Now, how much do you think that reduction was? They normally have 60,000 flu deaths a year. How many did they have? I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, 109. 
109 as opposed to 60,000. So the question I asked was, does that mean you can add another uh, uh, 40,000 deaths or or 60,000 or whatever it could be? Um, I contacted the CDC yesterday morning, and and, uh, this is me saying this back then, and posed that question. Well, I got their response. They said, excess death estimates do not account for offsetting impacts of declining numbers for certain causes, as noted for pneumonia and influenza. Fuller examination of all of the different and complicated patterns and trends by cause of death will be done when we have complete final mortality data. Now, I didn't think of it back then, but there was also a reduction in traffic accidents because of the lockdown. Anyway, so that's when my estimate uh, jumped from what they were saying at the time, which was, I think it was at, at, at the, that very day, it was like 199,000, right? I made the estimate of 350 because I was being conservative. They said there was a difference of 299,000. I was being conservative because I was counting, they were considering 100,000. I included that 100,000 extra deaths that the CDC had. Uh, And then I just added 50,000 for flu, pneumonia, and other reductions that happened. This is really hard to wrap your head around. But that was way too conservative. And I should have said 450,000 at that point. But either way, that's fine. So University of Washington comes in and talks about how they did their numbers. They said... Listen carefully. These estimates are based on longstanding methodology for measuring the burden of diseases on a global scale since 1990. The Global Burden of Disease Study has measured the total human cost of diseases. They estimated total COVID-19 deaths by comparing anticipated deaths from all causes based on pre-pandemic trends. Now listen carefully. With the actual number of uh, all-cause deaths during the pandemic. This excess mortality figure was then adjusted, this is the important part, to remove deaths indirectly attributable to the pandemic, uh, for example, due to people with non-COVID conditions, uh, avoiding healthcare facilities. Now, this is the important part, as well as deaths averted by the pandemic. For example, declines in uh, traffic deaths due to lower mobility. Which, of, of course, less deaths would include the flu and pneumonia. The resulting adjustments include only deaths directly due to SARS-CoV-2 virus, which caused COVID-19. Their number? 905,000 deaths. Uh, which I think, what, where are they at right now? They're, they're just under 600,000 deaths, right? So... I said at least 750,000 deaths in January. Have we had a couple hundred thousand deaths since then? It took five news organizations nearly seven months to learn and report on a story I did back in October. That is why I'm calling today's 250th podcast Vindication. I took the same numbers I used 
to uh, or, or the same math I used to um, make an adjustment to the numbers. The same that I did back in October to make an adjustment to the numbers uh, for today, for uh, for recently. And this is what I came up with. My same math that I used way back in October to say that our death rate was much higher. And by the way, I went to every news organization with this. I went to CBS. I went to NBC. I went to ABC. I went to NPR. I went to CNN. I went to every single one of these organizations. And I said, the COVID deaths are vastly undercounted because of this reason, because of that reason, because of that reason. I told them everything. And they refused to accept it. They didn't think some guy that does a little podcast, uh, you know, that only has a a, a group of followers. They didn't think a guy that does a little podcast is smart enough to figure this out. So I did the same math that I did yesterday. I did this math. The, The same math that I did way back in October. And I used the number, the current numbers. And the, the numbers that I came up with using my math was 890,000, 15,000 short of the number by the University of Washington. So, and I got to say, this is a weird feeling. On the one hand, I am beyond angry that I told every news organization about this, that they needed to pick up on this story. And they said, nah, it's nothing. And they discounted me. I'm supremely angry about that. But I'm also vindicated. I was right. I proved proved those idiots that they don't know what they're talking about and they should have goddamn listened to me. Because... I know what I'm doing. Vindication. That rant is over. Now that I have your attention, let's try and fix the world. After the Biden administration expressed support for waiving intellectual property uh, protections for COVID-19 vaccines, finally, a European Union leader yesterday suggested that the bloc's members are ready to discuss also dropping their opposition to the proposal uh, which rich nations you know have blocked since last year uh, now we talked about this yesterday I, I I do have concerns about it concerns remain about uh, future WTO negotiations also the the Biden administration move on Wednesday increased pressure on the leaders of other wealth uh, wealthy countries including Canada, uh, uh, the UK, the EU member states to urgently follow suit. <clears throat> then came the uh, European Commission President's uh, Ursula von der Leyen's uh, speech yesterday at the European University's Institute in Florence, where she said, the European Union is also ready to discuss any proposal that addresses the crisis in an effective and pragmatic manner. This is why we are ready to discuss how the U.S. proposal for a waiver on intellectual property protections for COVID-19 vaccines could help achieve that objective. So, there's that. Uh, Warning of a possible 
significant intimidating effect of private recounts like the ongoing geo this is a news story like the ongoing GOP run uh, audit of the Arizona uh, County's uh, 2020 election ballots. A, a, a senior official at the U.S. Justice Department Civil Rights Division yesterday advised the Republican president of Arizona's Senate that such efforts may violate federal voting and civil rights laws. Now, I haven't been talking about this story because I, it, I, it was just unbelievable that the Arizona keeps recounting their vote. They're trying to find voter fraud because Biden won, remember? Uh, Principal Deputy Assistant uh, Attorney General Pamela S. Carlin wrote that plans by cyber ninjas, that's who um, they were uh, hired, Uh, The online security firm hired by Arizona legislature to perform a hand recount of nearly 2.1 million Maricopa County ballots to directly contact voters potentially constitutes intimidation. They're intimidating voters. The Arizona legislature is paying the Florida-based cyber ninjas, by the way, which has no elections experience and whose CEO, Doug Logan, is an advocate of the Stop the Steal movement claiming former President Trump won the 2020 election. Anyway, the legislature paid $150,000 to conduct the Maricopa Maricopa County audit. In addition to the CEO's affinity uh, for Trump, Cyber Ninjas has also raised eyebrows and ire by allowing former Arizona GOP state lawmaker Anthony Kern who's a rampant pro-Trump conspiracy theorist and participant in the uh, uh, January 6th insurrection uh, uh, on the United States Capitol. They're allowing him to uh, help conduct the audit. This is insane. I'd like to bring up a quote uh, here, Uh, a falsely attributed uh, quote to Stalin, um, which a lot of people claim he said, It's not who votes that counts, it's who counts the votes. So I want you to think about it as Arizona again does a recount because they can't believe your vote. They can't believe that you voted for Biden. Moving on. Uh, The New York Attorney General's office released a report yesterday showing that uh, major U.S. telecom companies pumped millions of dollars into a secret campaign that flooded the FCC with millions of fake comments in an attempt to influence the agency's 2017 repeal of net neutrality protections. This is insane also. Corporations, man, they are evil. A multi-year investigation. The new report details an industry-backed effort to create an appearance of widespread grassroots support for the uh, then-FCC chair Ajit Pai's broadly unpopular repeal of net neutrality rules. He was a right-wing sociopath anyway. He was going to repeal it no matter what. He didn't need any help, but they wanted to make sure. The investigation found in 2017 the nation's largest broadband companies funded a secret campaign to generate millions of comments to the FCC. Many of these comments provided cover for the FCC's repeal of net neutrality rules. So basically they're saying he was going to do it anyway, but he needed a reason to do it. So this was cover. He could say, oh, look at all these uh, comments. 
People don't like net neutrality. Yeah, right. Anyway, the report states, to help generate these comments, the broadband industry engaged commercial-led generators that use prizes like gift cards and sweepstakes to entries to lure consumers to their websites and join the campaign. That didn't do too so, uh, so well. So, nearly every lead generator that was hired to enroll co- consumers in the campaign instead simply fabricated consumer responses, noting that 8.5 million fake report... Um, I'm sorry, 8.5... Uh, uh, 5 million fake comments in favor of net neutrality neutrality repeal were generated by the effort. 8.5 million fake comments. That's a lot of typing at the computer. The report declines to directly name the companies that funded the project, but it does disclose that the $4.2 million campaign was run through Broadband for America, BFA, it's a group, a nonprofit organization whose members include AT&T, CenturyLink, Charter, and Comcast. Man, these companies, they need to be spanked with some serious fines for this. I mean, this is really bad. And and uh, BFA, uh, Broadband for America, they need to be defunded and shut down after this report. This is insane. Now, moving on again, uh, Texas legislatures, uh, the, uh, the legislator approved new, more restrictive state election rules after a session that lasted from night last night until early this morning. Uh, the GOP backed, of course, it's GOP backed state Senate bill passed the House 81 to 64 at 3 a.m., uh, which is 4 a.m. Eastern Eastern time. And uh, I guess that would be 1 a.m. our time. Um, uh, California time, after hours of debate over uh, Democratic uh, proposed amendments to the bill. And a couple of amendments got through. Uh, the bill would make it a felony to provide a voter with an application to vote by mail if they hadn't requested one or to use any public funds to facilitate the third-party distribution of mail-in voting applications. So that means this is what's going to happen, have to happen. Instead of sending out mail-in votes, they're going to send out uh, paperwork, sign this card, and return it to get a mail-in ballot. And then they can send. They they can't just send the ballots, but they can send uh, send out uh, paperwork where you can request the ballots. I suppose uh, the ability for polling place watchers. Is, this is another one. The ability for polling place watchers to um, be present. Throughout the uh, election day is also expanded under the bill. It sets a high bar for when such observers can be taken out of the polling place. The bill states they can be removed only if the watcher engaged in activity that would constitute an offense related to the conduct of the election. This will be used for voter intimidation in, in a big way. And in, Houston, in the Houston area, the Republican Party is already hiring poll watchers for black neighborhoods because they want to intimidate people. Pull watchers with guns, by the way. Anyway. Uh, Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, more voting intimidation, uh, yesterday uh, morning signed into law a controversial voting bill aimed at curbing access to mail-in voting in the state. Uh, uh, This is one that we talked about a couple weeks ago. In signing the bill, uh, this is the uh, Georgia 2.0, 
This is a, basically, it's similar to the Georgia bill. Uh, in signing the bill during Fox and Friends, the Florida Republican highlighted provisions of the bill, including stricter voter, voter ID requirements for voting by mail, creating limits on who can pick up and return a voter's ballot, and banning private funding for elections. Uh, the new Florida voting law faces immediate legal challenges, uh, uh, as I said it would. Uh, a coal- uh, As we said it would. A coalition... That includes the League of Women Voters of Florida and Black Voters Matter Fund announced it had filed a lawsuit within minutes of DeSantis signing the law. It challenges several provisions, including its new restrictions on ballot drop boxes and the prohibition on organizations and volunteer returning ballots on behalf of voters. In other words, if uh, a volunteer, if uh, a 90 year old Democrat cannot go out and drop off their mail-in vote, um, uh, a group cannot pick it up for them and drop it in the mailbox. This is, this is really bad. Anyway, in signing the law, the governor may also have uh, violated the U.S. Constitution. This because DeSantis handpicked which media can cover a public proceeding. And what a shock! It was Fox News! Uh, Pamela Marsh, executive director of the First Amendment Foundation, said the law leaves no question as to the impropriety of banning certain media while allowing only friendly media. That is viewpoint and content discrimination. And there's been several lawsuits about this. Several times this has happened where they just handpick certain media and don't allow anyone else. Now, this happens in, in a court where they only allow one camera, but that camera automatically shares everything and then it's distributed. But this is going directly, yeah, this is, this is a little bit different. Um, anyway, we talked about this proposal. This, this is something else. This is something new. Uh, moving on. We talked about this proposal in South Carolina, I think like two months ago, maybe a month and a half ago. Well, it happened. South Carolina state lawmakers have voted to allow firing squads to be implemented implemented as a method of capital punishment in the state. The Republican governor, Henry uh, McMaster, has said he will approve the bill when it arrives at his desk, making South Carolina only the fourth state in the U.S. that allows death by firing squad. Next thing you know, they're going to have nooses uh, in the South, of course. Mississippi, Oklahoma, and Utah already allow the execution uh, uh, method, according to a nonprofit death penalty information center. A shortage of lethal uh, injection drugs, we talked about this, and its effect on South Carolina's ability to implement capital punishment was cited as a reason for the decision. And we also talked about how a firing squad works. You can't, you, the state can't kill, uh, have someone kill somebody. So <clears throat> there's a squad of men, all of them, except for one, has blanks, maybe two, I don't know. Um, so nobody can be accused of it, of killing, uh, somebody in a firing squad. Um, cause nobody knows who has the bullet. It's random. <clears throat> China urged Western nations to stay out of its affairs. And this is China, Russia, Russia, China, China, Russia, China, Russia, Russia, China news. <laughs> China urged Western nations to stay out of its affairs and fix their own problems after the Group of Seven's foreign ministers uh, unified behind a litany 
of grievances with uh, China. The Chinese Foreign Ministry condemned the G7 statement uh, Wednesday, criticizing Beijing's treatment of ethnic and religious minorities and urging it to participate constructively in the rules-based international system. Ministry spokesman, get ready for it, it's coming. (laughs) Ministry spokesman Wang Wenbin said the developed economy should Stop interfering in other countries' internal affairs, making groundless accusations in a condescending way and disrupting global epidemic uh, operation, uh, cooperation. Stop uh, involving yourself in my internal affairs. This is what they say with every single statement. Stay out of China's internal affairs. Oh, man. These attempts, uh, he, he went on to say, these attempts will never succeed, uh, calling uh, the statement clique politics. Uh, the rebuke to the G7 was among a volley of responses uh, to perceived offenses by the West as the Biden administration tries to rally uh, U.S. allies to present a more unif- unified front against uh, Beijing. Uh, Moving on. The European Union's top court ruled yesterday in favor of the European Commission's partial ban on three pesticides hazardous to bees, much to the chagrin of Bayer. Uh, That's, you know, Bayer is, of course, the pharmaceutical giant uh, biotech company that merged or or absorbed Monsanto. Uh, You know what? Let's do it again. I love calling out Bill Nye. Bill Nye, you're a piece of crap. You are an absolute piece of crap, Bill Nye. Anybody, you're welcome to tell them, I said you're a piece of crap. When are you going to come out against Monsanto, Bill Nye, you piece of crap? Uh, Bayer attempted to overturn the ban and undermine the EU's precautionary principle for the protection of environmental and human health, but the European Court of Justice dismissed the corporation's appeal and backed a lower court's 2018 decision to uphold restrictions on the use of some pesticides on certain crops. And we just talked about this uh, earlier this week or or last week. We just talked about how they they found that this stuff is is killing these... uh, They're killing the soil. They're destroying the soil. It's it's horrible what's happened, what we're doing to this planet. We got to outlaw these pesticides. Anyway, in 2013, the commission banned the use of, oh gosh, here comes some words, uh, imatocloprid, clothionidin, and thiamethoxam, uh, which are three bee-killing uh, neonicotinoide uh, pesticides. Uh, uh, and, and, and it's used on maize, which is corn, rapeseed, and some cereals. Oh, man. Was that a good rant? Did you like that? <laughs> anyway, that's it. I, I probably went a little bit long. Let's see. I don't know. How long did I go? Oh, man. Nearly 30 minutes. I'm sorry, but I had to get that out. I, I, it, it so upset me yesterday. But that's it. Thanks for listening. Friday, May uh, 7th, 2021, PVTV. Don't forget to uh, uh, look for the Friday flaming bag of crap left on your doorstep. I really appreciate you. I really do. Thank you so much for coming. Tell your friends to Google Political Views TV podcast, and I'll show up right at the top of the search. And remember, always remember, government profit is measured by the betterment of the people. Don't you ever forget it. 
I'm Peter Lawrence reporting from Los Angeles.